Assalamu alaikum. You are now tuned in to the T3M podcast, the realest podcast in the game. You are joined with home base, the usual, with a very special guest today. We got our brother, Farid. Assalamu alaikum, Farid. Wa alaikum habibi. I hope you're doing well. Hope you all you guys are doing well. Alhamdulillah, man. You got that radio voice, eh? Um, I don't think so, but uh, no, I'm, not glad, I'm glad. I'm glad if that's the case. You're glad? All right. So, uh, just a quick question, man. Right off the rip, how did you hear about us? How did you find us? Or oh, um, if you if you found us uh, any YouTube videos, what uh, what stuck out, man? What was one of the first things you saw? Well, Subhanallah, um, I, I I can't recall uh, the thumbnail that uh, stuck out, but oh yeah, there's a, there's a question mark. There's a thumbnail with a question mark. I clicked on the video and it was Ibn Murrah on your channel. I was like, what's going on here? Um, so I need to ask about that. How do you guys get Ibn Murrah on? Mm, okay, and you don't know Ibn Murrah personally, right? No, no, I I, I got no idea who Ibn Murrah is. That's oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> man i should be saying that so uh we launched our our podcast two three months ago and we had this brother out here named ibn Murath, time traveler he started putting timestamps on all of our videos just a uh, nice detailed timestamps from episode two and onward and right. we we got in touch with him and we're like yo why are you why are you giving her timestamps like you know just out of out of goodwill and yeah he seemed to be a good brother he's 16 years old his name is muhammad Hello. by the way and uh so nice man that's so nice him. yeah he, he even offered, uh, you know, let me make your uh, thumbnails. And he started making these right. nice, clean thumbnails that you saw. One of the uh, ones that, that wow. caught your attention. And uh, clearly, we, we realized, you know what? If he's been doing this much without being a part of the team, we definitely should uh, extend out and join him to the team. And that's how we are now T3M, but it's the four of us. Respect, man. That's, that's really nice. That's really nice. Um, I'm surprised that uh, Imam Murrah himself wasn't on. I mean, like, you know, you, you guys jumped immediately to, to Ibn Murrah. That was, that was quite a surprise for me. So Imam Murrah, he's, he's like a real celebrity. Ibn Murrah, he's still, he's still getting there. He's getting there. What's funny is uh, before I, I got down that rabbit hole of Christian Prince yeah. and Ibn right. Murrah and all that, I didn't even know there was Abu Murrah. Ibn Murrah, there's Ibn Al Murrah, there's there's like a whole gang. Right, right. Yeah. I think there's like three or four Ibn Murrahs, by the way. Three or four. Yeah. Jeez. Yep. Man. Um, even before before all this went down and we got in touch with you, I found your channel and I started watching it uh, a few months ago. And initially I found your your profile picture. And it was just you. And I watched the video, and it was your profile picture in the middle of the video. And there was no video. There was no you. It was just audio. Right. And I was like, okay, right. this is this is interesting. Um, uh, and then I found another video, and then I finally found you talking. And I was like, bro, this guy talks. Like he's actually here. It's not just an audio thing. And I was like, yo, that's cool. And look where we are now. We have you as a guest. Allah. The reason why I did that was because um, sometimes when I go like on refutation mode. I just crunch out videos um, in a short span of time, like a video per day, a, a video every two days, sometimes two videos in a day, three videos in a day. Like I really go on, on that mode. And when I do that, I just don't feel like it. I don't feel like recording video and editing it properly. I just do it as fast as possible. Just get the audio out there. At least mm -hmm. something's out there. So that's the reason why I do that. Um, uh, as long as information gets out, you know, that's sufficient. Alhamdulillah, man. Before we before know. we even go into some of your highlights, 
Uh, I like the David Woods co-host Reverse to Islam. Oh, mashallah. Uh, I like some of the videos you made on A+. You know, A+, made a video on uh, on Anhel, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there was a time. I think he, he's run out of content, by the way. He's run, yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, he's, he's just trying to uh, target uh, converts. He, he even did one on Sajid Lipham a few weeks ago, um, trying to analyze why people convert to Islam. Uh, and here's the thing, I don't know if you guys are aware, but he has a major inferiority complex um, when someone who's been brought up in the West converts to Islam. That to him is something really strange. It shakes his faith in atheism. Um, but it's, it's quite interesting. It's quite interesting. Man, speaking about faith, I know a lot of people are tuning in that are regular subscribers of yours. I know some of them might not know who you are exactly. So for the people that don't and aren't caught up to speed, give us the cliff notes for your journey into Islam. You know, whether it be a little boring, like, oh, I, you know, kind of was born into it, whether it be more interesting, like you were born into it, you kind of strayed, had to come to it on your own. Um, but we want to hear it, man, inshallah. Um, well, alhamdulillah, I, I grew up in... Uh in a Muslim family uh, that wasn't too religious at first. Um, but with time, uh, my mom slowly became more and more religious by the time I was um, 16. She was taking it very seriously and, and that naturally rubbed off on me. Um, but I didn't care much about knowledge until I was around 20 years old. Um, and that happened when uh, I, I came to know this brother who was very, very, very knowledgeable, extremely knowledgeable, even though he's kind of um, fallen out with a religion to a degree. I'm not saying he left Islam, but he, he changed his lifestyle. He, he started to uh, walk in the path that's not the best path. And then he actually, um, well, I don't want to talk about the guy's sins and what he did, but he, he basically stopped practicing in, in the way a conservative Muslim does. And uh, it was really interesting seeing a guy with, uh, you know, uh, dreadlocks and, and uh, you know, uh, um, really trendy uh, clothing. And even though, you know, I, I, I saw him previously, like in the Thobe and, and a very traditional conservative, but not conservative, but like a very traditional um, Arabic clothing, and now he's like, he looks completely different. Uh, I didn't see anyone who was uh, dressed anyway, uh, close to the way he was dressed, um, and the way he spoke, and the way he did everything in a very uh, uh, different manner. And at the same time, if you ask him a religious question, he would answer you in the way that he would answer you before he changed. Mm. And that was like, whoa, to me, that was uh, a shock. And uh, it was fascinating. And I'd ask him about uh, specific matters in the religion. And he would give me a very um, uh, detailed answer. This scholar said this, this scholar said that. And I'd be like, wow, I'm like, no one speaks like that, especially uh, when they don't look like you. Um, so I, I came to realize soon after that it was reading. And he, everything he did, uh, he learned through reading. I would make a joke. He would break down my joke 
And he would say, by the way, you know why that's funny? It's because you got the timing right. You got the delivery right. Your voice, notice your, the shift in your voice and that, all these things put together, plus these were, you know, and he'd break it down like, what the heck? You know, what, how are you analyzing my joke? It's like, oh, I read it in the book. Mm. Um, guy became the lead singer in a band uh, because he learned how to sing through a book. And uh, so to me, when, when I realized this, um, reading became something of importance to me. Just realizing the reading itself can change who you are and can make you grow so much. Um, and before that, I, I couldn't care less about reading. I thought, I thought, reading was something that people did that uh, you know people that didn't watch documentaries that you know people didn't enjoy watching you know movies or documentaries you could learn everything through documentaries that's what i thought once upon a time so that guy like uh helped me wake up to the benefits of reading and one day um he parked his car next to the college dorms and uh, me and a friend went up to him and uh, he opened the trunk and it was filled with books and he said, take whatever you want. I'm done. I'm, I'm giving away my collection. So I took several volumes of the stuff that he had. And uh, I pretty much grew through that. And uh, the more I read, the more uh, interested I became in learning. And one question led to another. And alhamdulillah, you know, I've, I'm, I'm, I, I still consider myself like a very small student of knowledge. I, I don't consider myself, you know, that knowledgeable. But alhamdulillah. Um, uh, I learned a thing or two in the past, you know, 15 years. Alhamdulillah, man. That's, that's enriching, man. So I wanted, I had a, I want to reverse engineer a little bit, go back into what you mentioned about uh, when you went into reading. When exactly did you really get into reading Islamic literature or, you know, going into Hadith and, stuff like that because you know a lot of people like reading that i've seen but it's not really with islam they love reading you know novels and books and history and uh i know a lot of other people they they are muslim but they don't realize that there's this there's so much to read but islam there's so much you know works and you know books on medicine and it's, it's a rabbit hole man yeah, so it started for me around that same time, um, to be honest. Uh, the first thing that really like opened my eyes was... Uh, uh, what was it? It was Sharh al-Wasatiyya. Al-Wasatiyya is basically uh, a very short uh, book by Ibn Taymiyyah in which he speaks about the attributes of Allah. Um and that to me was like a life-changing book because to me, um, I felt like I didn't know anything about Allah before that. And, and finally, uh, through the verses gathered in that book, through the narrations gathered in that book, through the explanations, um, I, I was using Ibn Uthaymin's explanation. I, for the first time, I was like, oh my God, you know, I, I'm, I'm actually learning about my creator um so that was that was the first book that like totally blew my mind and i don't think there's anything that blew my mind as much ever since then subhanallah yeah the reason um it really stood out for me now, now maybe someone who's watching this is thinking why not the quran um the quran is something that me as a born muslim grew up with and 
because I'm so attached to it or because it's right there, I couldn't experience it in the way a convert to Islam um, experiences the Quran. So, I mean, it is quite unfortunate. Um, and, and it's the same, it's the same with, with, with all Arabs. All Arabs can't uh, uh, you know, enjoy the Quran in the same way that the first generation of Muslims enjoyed the Quran. Um, so yeah, that book that explained the attributes of Allah, that was the first thing. That was the first thing that uh, really grabbed me. And, and that's how I got into that, more or less. Man, subhanAllah. Rami, man, feel free to jump in whenever you want. When was this book written, by the way? Um, seven centuries ago, around that much. It was ve- It's quite short, by the way. It's very, very short. Um, the explanation is, is quite modern. Um, it was, the whole book is basically something that was written from like Asr to Maghrib time or something. It's, it's extremely, it's extremely simple, short, but it, uh, it had an impact on me. Would you say that reading about Allah's attributes or getting a better understanding of Allah brought you closer to Islam better than anything else would? Because a lot of the time I've been told that we should start with, with learning about Allah. Mm. Oh, definitely, Akhi, definitely. And uh, the reason is because uh, some, some schools of thought, um, the, the relationship between, they, they view the relationship between man and, and creator to be a very um, uh, impersonal one, a very uh, cold one in the sense that uh, they misinterpret some attributes. So for example, um, the, the fact, like here's, here's a very, very basic example. Um, Allah gets angry, okay? extremely simple and and you ask any muslim in, in the street does allah get angry? of course you know allah obviously gets angry but you have schools of thought that don't believe that they say no anger is something that uh, allah doesn't uh, is, is free of because anger is something that uh, that man uh, can only feel or or is only something that uh, the creation can have and not the creator even though we have uh, clear verses in the Quran that speak about uh, the anger of Allah. Um, so things like that uh, made me realize that uh, you know there's there's there, there's a, there, I mean not that specifically. I'm not speaking about that specific attribute, but that's just like a very simple attribute that uh, I'm, I'm sure everyone can relate with. Um, so some schools would interpret anger to mean um, uh, wanting uh, punishment. You know, they, they, would, they would explain it as wanting punishment or wanting, um, yeah, you know, like wanting to punish. Uh, it's, it's a strange interpretation, but yeah, that's, that's what it is for, so. That makes sense. That does make yeah, a lot of sense. But the first thing that popped in my head was like the whole like Ashri versus Athari kind of discussion yeah. where do you interpret this literally or is it, you know, for us to understand, but it actually means that so on and so forth. Um, so Jazakallah khair Have you felt that? Have you noticed that when uh, you looked into those things? Um, just the attributes in general Or like Ashri versus Athari kind of? 
Uh, either, either question you feel like answering. <laughs> um, one thing was, uh, I, I heard Hamza Zortzis, uh in a video, he was um, countering something William Lane Craig said about uh, being all loving and all that. And he was trying to criticize Allah's love in the Quran and in Islam. And uh, Hamza Zorstis was like, you know, it doesn't make sense for God to be all loving because then he loves everything and it's opposite. And that's just, that doesn't yeah. make sense, right? Um, and that really resonated with me. And he talked about um, how Allah is like al-wudud, which is like a giving type of love. Uh, but Allah says, Wallahu la yuhibbu right? Allah does not love the, the disbelievers. And Allah loves, you know, those who do good and so on and so forth. And that type of love is just general love. So in that case, I'm like, if you interpret that as all loving, you fall into the same problem. Yeah, so yeah, perhaps definitely. it's not all loving. It's most loving as most people interpret it. So that was the uh, the closest experience I'd said, um, <clears throat> I've, I'd, I'd say I had. Um, and I was asked a lot of times on my live streams about authority and ushery and all of that. And generally I stay away from the topic because I don't know too, too much. But um, I never interpreted Allah's attributes to be literal, but I understand some people do. Uh, so that I'm still studying myself. If you want to comment on that, feel free to. But I'm going to avoid the topic uh, just to be safe for now. Yeah, it's, it's all good. It's all good. Um, uh, yeah, there's, there's so much to say. There's so much to say on the subject. Um, and and uh, it's something I, I recommend all Muslims to read into. Um, you know, like the, the, there are some very basic um, ideas and concepts like that one specific one uh, about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala getting angry it's something I think that everyone can relate to some of the other uh, attributes I understand um, uh, I understand why there is a difference of opinion um, between uh, hey, Muslims in general in regards to them um, yeah subhanAllah that's, that's a lengthy topic I guess yeah, it is. Inshallah, another. We'll have you on for another podcast when we talk about that. Inshallah. Inshallah. Um, inshallah. So, um, alongside people's, you know, um, confusion when it comes to Islam and all that, a lot of the time you find confusion with a hadith, right? And you talk a lot about this on Inshallah. Inshallah, may Allah bless you and reward you because it actually has helped me and many people a lot. Alhamdulillah. Um, all the time I get people commenting on my lives or my in my comments, check out for a response, and I'm like, yeah, I already watch him. And all this stuff, subhanAllah. So, subhanAllah. What do you, okay, for anyone who wants to read a hadith, is there any suggestions you have? Because for a layman to even read Sahih al-Bukhari, yeah, they have access to it. Yeah, it's Sahih. But that doesn't mean they can understand it properly in its context and all that. I have no issues, Akhi. I, I don't mind if they go for it. I'm, I'm not, I don't think that... Uh, the lay person shouldn't read it or that the only uh, benefit from reading it is barakah. Um, I believe that many of the hadith of Rasulullah are very uh, uh, clear to anyone and, and you don't need to be a, a student of knowledge in order to understand uh, much of what's in there. Uh, if you struggle, definitely go to a sheikh. If you struggle, go find a commentary. Um, there's no harm in doing that. But uh, I'm, I'm against the idea of, um, you know, this is above our level, let's not read it. Because, I mean, why, why not extend that to the Quran, right? There are some, I mean, the hadith usually are uh, clearer 
in, in, its, in its text than some of the Quran. So are we going to like avoid reading the Quran as well? I, I got no issues reading a hadith. And I, I, but like, I always use this, my favorite example is, is, I don't know if you guys have seen me use this because I, I use and abuse this example. The Prophet Sallallahu ate chicken. I don't know if you guys see me bring that up. I bring that up like all the time. I actually haven't. Yeah, okay, anyone? What, what do you guys think about that? What, what do you guys think about um, that report, about the significance of that report? Any thoughts? That he ate chicken? Yep. <laughs> man probably enjoys some good chicken, bro. <laughs> so, so, so you don't need much. Uh, you don't need much commentary. You don't need an explanation. You don't need to return to the books of the scholars in order to understand that when the report says he ate chicken, it means that he literally ate chicken. Um, the significance of that is um, chicken wasn't uh, that popular in Hejaz. You know, people ate lamb, people ate camel. Um, chicken was way down on the list. So that's pretty much it. You know, so that's why that report was recorded. And again, it doesn't need, it doesn't need any commentary. Uh, you just read the report. It's, it's actually like one line. The report's one line. Prophet, peace be upon him, ate chicken. You know, so, so I, I joke and I'm like, when people will say, you know, it's hard to learn hadith. You know, we can't, we don't have access to hadith. We need the ulama for every single thing. We need commentaries for everything. I say, uh, jama'ah, here's the hadith. Please explain it for me. I need Ibn Hajar to explain it. I need Nawi to explain it. I need all these ulama to explain this one line, the Prophet ate chicken. So, oh, yeah, someone cook them like the most <laughs> ridiculous piece of chicken in this world. <laughs> he was like, yo, this is good. This is good. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> Subhanallah. Jazakallah khair. Um, Subhanallah. <clears throat> so, would you. Would you apply that same line of thinking to like um, to other books about hadith that may have weaker hadith in them? Hmm. Okay, that's that's a better question. I think that's a good question. Um, a lot of books of hadith have hadith gradings, and I think I think if we jump into that, it helps us learn more. It helps us learn faster. Um, I, you, you see, there, there is always the question that arises is, what if I read the hadith and, you know, I, I apply this teaching um, and there's an issue with my understanding, right? Or, or what if I follow this specific hadith and this specific hadith is weak? ulama fell into this. Ulama... Um, understood specific reports incorrectly and ulama um, accepted reports that are weak and they thought that they were authentic. So for everyone, for everyone, it's a learning process. For everyone, it's a struggle. And as long as we do as, as, as long as we try as hard as we can, as long as our intentions are sincere, uh, as long as we're not following our desires and we're trying to follow um, the religion uh, to the dot, then there, I don't believe there, there's a harm in doing that. So that's my take, at least. Yeah, that's, that's a beautiful response because people like myself, as Asfayed says, um, uh, what is it? Paralysis by analysis, something like that. Mm. Right, you overanalyze and you become paralyzed. Yeah, mm. I, I tend to do that a lot. So when it comes to something as crucial as, you know, your deen, your iman, your Islam, 
um, especially when you have people out there uh, like like CP and, and uh, David Wood and these people that take these ahadith purposely out of context and right. apply. It's like, well, it's so funny just uh, watching a David Wood video where he takes like a small hadith and in between the line, he adds his own commentary into it. Like Sheikh, like Sheikh Dawood all of a sudden, subhanAllah, um, coming out there and being like, he said this because of that and then this and then and it's like, where is that in the report? Where is it's that not even just hadith. He does that with the Quran too. Like, uh, yeah. look at this, this chapter, this verse. Allah says, uh, man was made of this clay. Then he says mud. Then he says blood. And he's like, look at all these contradictions. It's like, come on, bro. We can give you the facts, but you're still, you're still not going to take it. And I think this is a wonderful time for uh, Farid to answer my question on what is what is all this even about? Because there's people following along saying weak hadith, strong hadith. What is what does that even mean? There's also other people saying, what are a hadith? Right? So let's get into that. Okay. Um so so I started learning about the hadith when I was around 22 years old, and it was something that I just wanted to get out of the way. Um I I was trying to get into all sorts of uh, any Islamic uh, knowledge, Islamic sciences. And um, I was told that Hadith sciences is the driest science. And I said, okay, cool. I'm just going to, you know, get into the driest science, um, spend a few weeks on that, a few months on that. I'm just going to toss it aside and I'm going to stop uh, with, you know, after when I'm done with that. And I just continued to read about it and uh, continued to love it. Um, and it's, uh, subhanallah, uh, I, I never saw it as something that was dry. Um, and the question that led me into hadith sciences is a very direct question, which is, why do I believe in what I believe in? And it's the exact same question that you asked, Dahi. You said, how do I know this is authentic? And how do I know this is weak? And what's up with that? And just the, the question of um, attribution and and why the scholars believe in what they believe in in regards to narrations um it set me on the journey a journey in discovery of, of truth and um the reliability of these reports and alhamdulillah i was very satisfied i was very satisfied um i'm quite curious about how you guys felt and and how you guys uh first um uh came across that came across the concepts of authentic and weak narrations before I, I carry on. Jeez, I got so many questions. <laughs> well, first off, what, what do you mean by dry science? Okay, so so for example, Quranic sciences or especially the Quran itself, mm-hmm. um, it's eloquent, it's eloquent speech. It has uh, you know uh, historical narratives with um with morals, um, it has uh, verses that, uh, um, how can I say this, that uh, make your emotions, um, you know, flare your emotions. Um, you can, you can, it can fill you with hope. Uh, it can fill you with, with, um, with, with faith. Uh, I'm sure all of you guys have experienced that, that it's, uh, it's, um, it's a, a work like no other. However, um, you know, with a hadith, I'm speaking about hadith sciences themselves, but not the actual uh, narrations, right? Because the actual narrations, you, you also have 
um, a lot of reports that will bring you happiness and bring you sadness and will make you laugh and will make you cry. But the science is itself determining what's authentic and what's inauthentic. It's dry. It's like math to a degree. Hmm. I, I hope that kind of answers that. So how would, how would they differentiate between uh, this one's authentic and this one's not authentic? Okay. Um, be, be, before even getting into that, I, I was, I, I, because I asked you guys first. I asked yeah, you, you did. First. My bad. I just have so many questions. <laughs> you, you wanted to know what, how we can, you know. How you guys how came across the idea. No, no, no. I, oh, I came okay. across how, I want to know how you guys came across the concept. Uh, because, you know, one would, uh, you know, one that, who, who doesn't really think about it uh, too deeply would perhaps assume that everything that recorded in Islamic history is probably authentic. I mean, that's how, you know, one would, uh, I don't know, is that how you, you hit the nail? Guys? No, you hit the nail on the head. You hit the nail on the head. When I, when I first figured out the concept of inauthentic, I was like, bro, what do you mean? Like, right. there's <laughs> people could, people could not speak the truth about this or about that or about anything. And it, it hit me with, first thing was confusion, because I hate confusion. Any Anytime I came to Islam, there was no confusion. That was, That is one thing I loved about Islam. There was no contradiction. There was nothing. Even things that I, I preconceived as a contradiction or as something to shake my faith, it wasn't long before I found a video or an explanation or a commentary to just clear me out and set me straight. But when yeah. I first figured out that some hadith could be very complex or not you know authentic 100 or it's not great sahih or you know i was like i was like okay this this adds something now because now i could read it it doesn't mean it's not authentic but it doesn't not not mean that and it's kind of this gray area for me at least in the past and then i i went into this uh you know the major books of ahdi um kind of just go into those not really if it's authentic look at the grading uh that was just me but uh what about you rami Allah, for me, I can't remember a time where I was like, oh, really? Some things are inauthentic. Like as far back as I can remember, it's just somewhere, some ahadith were authentic, some weren't, some were weak, some were like, you know, indisputable. And I don't know, because I started practicing uh, back when I was like 16, 17. So it was like three, four years ago. And I immediately, what I did, like how I came to Islam was like through a YouTube video. Like I was always Muslim, alhamdulillah, but I wasn't really practicing. And then I saw this YouTube video. And then I was like, subhanAllah, you know, that's, that's amazing. That's cool. Let me get into this. And I started researching and looking things up and listening to speakers, corners, guys, and all that. So I was already like watching the debates as they happen. So as soon as it comes up that this hadith is not authentic, I was still learning. So the concept was there from the very beginning with me. So I don't think I really had a, a chance to be like, wait, there's authentic and authentic. It always kind of made sense that some reports, you know, are, are by these men and some of them are weak in memory or they're liars so on and so forth so it was never really a challenge for myself but um on hill ask your questions man <laughs> Jeez, no hold up first let me uh say i'm sorry for uh, cutting you off and starting to ask all these questions man because i just got a little, a little emotional there man but it's uh, all good bro it's all good to answer your question um i don't really think i have an answer i think like the best thing that i could say is um kind of to be expected, you know, like sometimes people remember things correctly, sometimes not. But, I mean, that's yeah. the best that I can say because I haven't delved into it as much as you guys have. 
Okay, so so in regards to what happened with me, um, I honestly can't recall how it started off and how I came to realize that there are an issue with a lot of reports. Um, I do recall having this this uh, skepticism um, when when I was again around twenty, and I left the the, the um, message. Um, after Friday prayers and uh, I was with a friend in the car and he was like really happy about the hadith that the, the sheikh and the sermon mentioned and um, subhanAllah he said he said something interesting so so the brother was like really happy about it and he was like yeah you know this hadith you know it, it says this 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 uh, I was so into it and I was like you know bro um, how do we even know that's authentic and he was like man the sheikh said you know, the sheikh at the masjid said that, you know, the way you think the imam giving the sermon is going to quote something that's inauthentic. So I went back home and, or to the dorms, and I checked it out and indeed it was inauthentic. And that kind of messed me up because I became uh, a lot more skeptical than I was. Um, and that's how my journey started. But it's, it's as you said, uh, Angel, uh, you have people that, um, naturally forgot, um, and you had people that were um, naturally better in, in the way they remembered things. Um, and, and that's the simple version uh, behind it. You had people who fabricated reports, and you had people who, um, they, they would, I mean, there are so many reasons for a narration to be weak. Um, a, a narration can be weak due to disconnection, um, and a narration can be weak due to the narrators themselves. So, and, and they technically fall, technically both fall under the same issue of, of the narrators themselves. Because I mean, if, an, if a report is disconnected, if a person, for example, came after the prophet, peace be upon him, by 200 years or 300 years or whatever, and he was, he's narrating from him without mentioning his source, then that source in the middle, I mean, that's bound to be someone, right? Or usually. Um, and if that's the case, if we don't know who that person is, we can't accept that. Uh, we, we don't rely on anonymous narrators. Um, there's so much to say, guys. You guys need to give me something more to go on <laughs> because there's just way too much. <laughs> Bro, way too I, much to like say. I said, I, I could give you a lightning round real quick. Let's go for it. All right. So first off, are all hadiths created after the Prophet, peace be upon him, his life? Okay, you need to define what I mean by creating. So, like, were, were they all, did they all come about, like, 100 years after, 200 years, 300 years? Or were there some that were... Created is the word I, I, wanna, I want to, to look deeper into. You written said they down. were... Cre cre okay, written down. Okay, written big, down. Big, big difference, right? So, uh, written down, a lot were written down in his lifetime. A lot were written down after... Um, you know, it could be a, a few decades. It could be a century. It could be 10 centuries after. Akhi. It could be today. Someone comes up with a hadith today and writes it down for the first time. Right. Uh, but naturally, naturally, um, every authentic hadith uh, is going to be something that was written quite early. Hmm. I mean, that's just the nature of things. Right. If, if people believe that the Prophet, peace be upon him, said this, it was naturally written down early. 
next question the lightning so, round or is that yeah is that... yeah we, i got right. more bro i got more please go for it go for it man okay so how is a thief pretty much declared authentic and authentic okay man even that one's too 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 uh, wide um okay so authenticity is basically a report that is connected that has reliable narrators that has no hidden defects, um, so uh, that has no irreg irregularities. Um, those are like the basics of, of an authentic hadith. If all the narrators in the report um, have, uh, have narrated it from, from their contemporaries, not from people that were, you know, uh, that died before they were born, for example, um, people that lived in their vicinity, um, and, and they narrated from them, and that chain goes all the way up to the Prophet, peace be upon him, and the narrators of that hadith are considered to be reliable by the scholars of hadith, um, then by that alone, you can assume the authenticity of a hadith. Um, what, uh, what, makes it, what makes us more reassured is if we have multiple paths for that uh, one specific report. Um, so usually, usually you would have reports that, you know, have one or two or three paths. However, there are other reports that go up to, like, I think, I think the, the, the most widespread hadith is in the Malamalu, excuse me, uh, it's, it's the hadith uh, those whoever lies about me, um, then he shall uh, basically uh, uh, be seated in hellfire, something along those lines. And that hadith is like narrated by 70 companions or something like that, 70 eyewitnesses. Um, that's quite a large number. Uh, but yeah, usually it's, it's uh, much smaller than that. Um, but here's the thing. I mean, if, if you hear of a hadith that's collected, for example, and narrated by narrators in Medina, um, and then you have another hadith that says uh, the same thing, but it's narrated by narrators in Iraq or in Sham, Damascus, um, then the likelihood of that report being authentic is quite high. Mm. So, and please don't take any disrespect because this, man, is, man. Just, this is just me. my mind. I'm curious. Hit me, bro. Some of oh, them, yeah, 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 yeah. So some of them, I guess, you know, we could see some clear authenticity just because, like, it, it was legitimate. Like there were the actual companions and stuff like that. I said it, but correct me if I'm wrong. The hadith is pretty much like a he said, she said type of deal, and it, isn't that leaving too much room for uh, error? Because as humans, we are imperfect and. Yeah. I mean, you say something now, and I guarantee you in 20 years, I'll probably misconstrue what you said. Right, right. You know, oh, like my, my mom and dad used to tell me things when I was a kid. I can't remember it 100%. Of course, of course, of course. No doubt, Achi, no doubt. And, and I completely agree with you. Um, there are a few things that we need to keep in mind, though. Um, firstly... Uh, I, don't, I don't think that we usually, 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 we don't care as, uh, as much uh, about what 
we heard from our parents when we were kids um, in the same way that the companions of the prophet, peace be upon him, cared about what he said, right? Um, to them, religion was everything. To them, Islam was everything. Uh, to them, uh, preserving this information, um, them being linked to someone that was connected to the heavens was something. Um, so again, you had a lot of them writing down reports um, but even those that didn't, even those that didn't, uh, they, you know, they would practice what they heard. They would implement what they heard. And once again, what are the odds of two different people from two different locations, um, who heard the same thing? What, what are the odds of them making the same mistake? Yeah. You know, I feel that. But that still doesn't take away the fact that we are still prone to error. And, you know, oh, I, could, I could say something. Right? Yeah. Let's say I say something and all three of you pretty much lock it in. Yeah. So far, you know, so-and-so, you lock it in. I pass away. Yeah. If someone were to come to you guys and you guys were to agree on one thing as to like, oh, this is what Ang has said, like, that's still it doesn't give you a hundred percent the answer as to what I said. Like I could have said it slightly different. You I see agree. what I'm saying? I agree. Um, but here's a question. How many people would you need in order to be completely convinced that that's how it was said exactly? Just need the one person that said it. Sure. But uh, unfortunately he's passed away. Right. Mm, no, I know. Um, I'm just saying like, <laughs> That, that's what like my mind is trying to wrap it right, around. Which, like, right, 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 right. So, so he's passed. He's passed people. away. He's he's passed away. Um, mm. And and to you, so so if if one person said it, if one person said it, what's the percentage that you would give that person for for being correct? Let's let's give it a number: fifty percent, maybe more, 60, 70? Probably nothing. But that's me. Okay. That's me. Okay. I've always gone to like straight there. And again, I understand. Okay. Like, I'm not discrediting anything. I'm not talking bad. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, it's, it's a thought exercise. It's, it's a thought exercise. Yeah. What if it was two people? Doesn't change it. Okay. So, so two people uh, narrating one thing from a person, um, you believe that there's a high possibility of both of them. Um, coincidentally getting the same thing incorrect it's not that i'm saying that they're gonna get incorrect it's not that i'm like questioning them it's just that for me i've always been the person's like okay i need to go to the source like people used to tell me about the quran when i was younger and it's not till i came to the source that like i saw it for what it was right you know and like we had all these people in the West where I live. I don't know where you live, brother. Where do you live? I'm, I'm in the Middle East. Okay. okay, beautiful, beautiful. So um, in the West, you have this huge narrative that uh, Islam is for terrorists. That Islam right. is uh, this terrible religion and all this stuff. Right. You have all these people saying it. And it's like, even all these people saying it were telling me one thing. So it's like, if I were to say, ah, well, the authenticity of what is being said, because all these people are saying it, 
must mm. be increased by so-and-so percentage, mm. then that means I would completely believe authentically that, ah, Islam is terrible. But there was still that part inside of me that was like, you know what? I have to see it for myself. I have to go to the source. And once I went to the source, I saw a holdup. It right. was completely different than what all these right. people were saying it was. Okay. So you see what I'm saying? Like, it, I again, I'm, I'm different. I'm different. I, no, I, I, com- I completely understand. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see if Rami or Fayad have a response to that before I share my thoughts. I'm, I'm going to put you guys on the spot. You guys have been picking on me all day. <laughs> all right. Oh, off the rip, I'm just, I'm just giving my two cents. Lightning round. There's a hidden agenda, and, and this is not, not something new to us. But I'm sure Anham knows about uh, why would the companions of the Rasulullah lie or fabricate things? Was it about right. lying, Anhel? Was it about lying or was it about the possibility of mistake? Possibility of mistake. Like I said, I'm not yeah. claiming them that they're lying. I don't question them. Mm-hmm. But I do understand that we as humans are subject to error. Yep. Go for it, man. Come on. Rami, you got anything? Yeah, I have, I have two things I want to say very quickly. So firstly, this is not a direct analogy, but it's similar. And I'm curious to know your answer on this, honestly. If you're driving on the freeway and you hear on the radio that a kilometer ahead of you on the freeway, or a few kilometers ahead on that same freeway, or miles for you and you Americans uh, on the freeway, right? There's an accident. Are you going to get off the freeway? Or are you going to say, let me go see if there's actually an accident and find out for myself? I mean, Because there's a possibility that yeah. you could have. That's a very good analogy, but knowing myself, I, I'd probably keep going. I probably wouldn't have gotten off the highway. <laughs> okay, at least you're consistent. That's fair. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, from from what I've learned about usul uh, al-hadith and the, the hadith sciences is that um, a person's ability um, intellectually to memorize and, and uh, not to falter in their memory is actually taking it, taken into account. And people, narrators are reported to have weak memory. And if they have meek, weak memory and they're in a chain of narration, uh, that would have, that could affect the uh, authenticity of the narration. And, and Brother Freed, if, you, if I say anything, feel free to, you know, confirm or deny. All right. So that's taking into account as well. So it's not on such a superficial level where it's just like, it's just he said, she said. It's he told this person, but that person has a weak memory. Can we really trust them? Let's scrap that. Versus this person told their son, and they're both strong in memory, practicing. They don't lie. They haven't harmed anyone. Like it's a whole list of things. Uh, and these, like these Arabs, they're not like us, right? The people who live there, they memorize like generations before them, their ancestors, their names, their lineage, all this stuff. And they didn't have like notepads, you know, to write things down on their phone. They had to memorize things when they did. Uh, well, I mean, they would make contracts for business and all that, but generally they would have to memorize things. They had better memory. So to believe that these people are as capable of faltering, um, especially when people take into account problems with memorization and all of that, um, it's it's not the same as today. And I understand your skepticism, but it you just have to ask how much of that skepticism is based in reality and are you being overly skeptical? Mm. That's That's my two cents. Well, bro, even if the person has the greatest memory, they're still human. They're imperfect. There is still subject to error. Again, I'm not questioning the person. I'm not questioning their authenticity as an individual. I'm not questioning their memory. I'm not questioning any of that. It's just, it is what it is, bro. Like, 
Sometimes I might have the most perfect memory in this world. And even when I think I have the most perfect memory and I'm recalling something, I make an error. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so, gonna... so I, I'd like to respond to the first point, if you guys don't mind, uh, about the, the uh, you know, Islam and terrorism. Um, so you mentioned that so many people said that, and, and uh, that uh, is equivalent to a lot of people narrating a specific hadith. Um, the issue with that analogy is that um, when you have a lot of people saying Islam is terrorism, that's an understanding. That's an understanding of the nature of a religion. It's not people reporting a specific fact. Uh, we need to differentiate between the two. Um, if, if you had, if you, you walked into a room and you had two people share a theory about life, that's very different than, you know, walking into a room and two people saying, oh, you just missed, um, you know, the, the doctor that was in here. There was a doctor that was in here and we just left, right? Or, or whatever they, they'd narrate or whatever they'd mention in regards to uh, an event that they both witnessed. Um, so, so uh, there's a major difference between uh, both things, between an understanding and, and reporting of a fact or reporting a statement. Um, I, I hope you can, yeah, any, uh, yeah that's, that's fair okay. enough. Yeah, that's yeah. fair enough. Okay. So you're, you're, uh, you walk out of home one day and let, let's stick with the, the freeway thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, I like that. Um, or, or something similar, right? You ha there's a car accident. You walk out of home and, and a friend tells you that uh, there's a car accident that, that occurred a mile away and they saw it, right? Th there's a possibility that it's a mistake. Um, you, continue, you continue walking and someone, you see someone else and you ask them, is there a car accident that occurred? They say, yes, and I saw it as well. The likelihood of both of them being mistaken is quite low, right? In the in this yeah. example, yes. Yes. So let's let's make it a bit harder. Let's stick with statements. Um, if one specific narrator said, "I saw the Prophet peace be upon him eat chicken," um, and then you had another narrator who said, who also agreed, he said, "I saw the Prophet peace be upon him eat chicken," the likelihood that he ate chicken should be quite high. Mm -hmm. I hope. Now let me let me add something. I, I do <laughs> like that. I do like that. Yeah. You, know, you got me over here thinking about chicken. I'm probably gonna eat some chicken after this. I don't <laughs> know about y'all, but um, that's something that happened right there and then. Yes. Or, or very, not, not necessarily. Or not, not necessarily. even. But very, yeah. very like, not hundred years. Of course. Not two hundred years. Three hundred years. I agree. I agree. So. Say that same example, but with the hundred year difference between the occurrence and then. Okay, that's so where that, it can it can rise. Like uh, I agree, I agree, I agree, I agree. Um, and and how it works is, uh, the people who narrated it again. Yani, it's it's not just um, it's not being narrated. It's not being narrated out of a bubble. Um, but the people who came um, even 150 years after. So one of the early books of hadith is uh, the Muatta of Malik. Um, 
And there are a decent number of reports in which between him and the prophet, peace be upon him, it's just two people. Um, it's not, you know, 10 people along the way. It's just two people. And once again, a lot of the things that he would narrate are narrated by uh, multiple companions that narrate the exact same thing. Um, but uh, here's, here's why I want to go back to the previous question. Um, if you had, and, and I want to focus on direct witnesses, first of all, before even moving to, to later sources. If, if we had, because I, I want to know for each of you guys, um, the question of certainty when it comes to narrating an event or narrating a report, how many people do you need in order to be certain that someone said something? Repeat that one more time. Repeat that one more time. <clears throat> how many people do you need in order, how many eyewitnesses do you need in order to be certain of a specific statement that was said by someone who is not available? Mm. For me personally, I would say, depending on the reliability, it could be as low as one. Because if I, if they've never once mistold or misrecalled something, and they've always been on 10 <clears throat> in terms of accuracy, I would be inclined to just go based on one person. But if it's like, I don't really know them, right? I don't know how reliable yeah. they are, how accurate they are. It, it, would, it would feel better to have more than less. Of course, of course. But I'm, I'm curious about the question of certainty. These are people that you perhaps you don't know too well. How many would you need to be certain? How many random people um, that you'd meet, you'd need to be certain of their attribution of something? Five. Mm. Five? Five? Okay. Mm. And how? No number will give me certainty, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> How about you, Rami? Kind of a lot. It it really depends. Like it's just like they're narrating something somebody said. Yeah. Uh, if it's just something someone said, then maybe it depends on who it is and what they said. But I think something like ten would be enough. But if it's okay, a big it's event, ten is, certainty. Would need... ten is certainty. Yeah, yeah. Like ten no random questions. people. It's not that I have. Yeah. Well. Mm, Bro, yeah. I sound I sound like an easy victim to like Scientology. <laughs> They're gonna be out here like, yo, this man said five, bro. Let's uh, let's go in. Subhanallah. Um, ten random people who have no connection with each other, all telling me the same thing. I would believe with full certainty at that point. Okay, not how about nine? How like what's the percentage you'd give nine people? I mean, I feel like mathematically it would follow. It'd be ninety percent. Oh, ninety percent. That's that's quite. That's quite uh, low for, for nine people. I, I might have misunderstood. It's higher than my percentage, boy. <laughs> 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 okay, so, so the way I look at it, the way I look at it is, um, if, if it's one person, um, mm. you know, I, I, usually, I, I like to believe that usually people that report things usually get things right. I'd like to believe that. Um, I would, I would perhaps give it a 70 or something, right? Um, if it, of course, it depends on what's being reported, right? If it's, if it's a car accident that happened five minutes ago, the, the percentage of that occurring is higher than someone reporting um, 
a story they heard from their grandfather 20 years ago, right? Um, however, if it was two people, two grandchildren that reported something from that they heard from their grandfather 20 years ago, um, I, I would I would actually lean towards a high number, um, something like 90. Uh, because what are the odds of both of them making the same mistake, okay? Uh, and and the, by the way, it's very important that they're not influencing each other. It's very important that they're not influencing each other. And that needs, that, that's something that we need to, uh, you know, be aware of. Um, what if it was three people? The odds of three people making the same mistake in what they're narrating, something that occurred 20 years ago, is really, really slim. Um, to me, I think, I think any three or four is, is well, let's say four is absolutely certain. Um, I cannot see, I cannot see four people making the same mistake and attributing a statement to someone. It doesn't matter if they said it 20 years ago or 30 or 40. What are the odds? They all made the same exact mistake. It's just too, it's, I just can't see it happening. Um, now, here's the thing when it comes to religion. Uh, even though there is a possibility that four people made the mistake, um, we still have to follow that ruling. In the same way that if four people testify that they saw an act of adultery, um, the judge applies that ruling, even though there's a possibility that there was a mistake. Um, and if we were hyper-skeptical, um, and if we didn't apply um, uh, testimonies because there was always a fraction of doubt, then we wouldn't be able to function. We wouldn't be able to function as people. We wouldn't be able to function as societies. We wouldn't be able to function in courts of law because there is always a very small percentage of a possibility of a mistake. And even, even during the time of the Prophet, peace be upon him, um, he, would, he would send... Uh, like a single person to uh, let people know of his rulings. Um, even though there is a possibility of that person making a mistake, he wouldn't need to send um, 10 people according to Rami, you know, or, or uh, Fayad, what was the number that you gave? Five, yeah. So um, sometimes one person was sufficient, depending on what was supposed to be shared, what the message was. Um, and, and yeah, there, there are many factors, but in general, in general, uh, the, the idea that I'm trying to get across is the likelihood of multiple people making the same mistake, um, is, is quite low, especially if we add into that multiple factors, like the fact that, um, many reports were written down in the first century, many reports were written down by the companions themselves. Um, the importance, the significance of these teachings, the significance of these rulings, the fact that the companions themselves applied these rulings, all these factors um, give us, even if, it, even if we're not going to call it certainty, let's not call it certainty, um, but, but to a large degree, to a large degree, rejecting that would be... Um, Unrealistic, it would be it would be uh, hyper skeptical, and, and uh, it would be it would be uh, 
us getting in the way of um, following the religion to a reasonable degree. But it's not rejection. Because again, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm yeah. rejecting. It's more so, and again, it's just how I see it. Y'all are welcome to see it however you want. Um, but again, I don't don't reject it. But the right, way right, I see right. it is like you have the Quran, which right. is uh, it's absolute. You know, right. no Muslim can disagree on the Quran. Otherwise, they're not Muslim. Right. You know, that's that's the main teaching. That's the truth right there in the book. How do you know it's absolute? Then, dude, if you want to play that you, game. If you if you want to play that game, <laughs> you look at the Quran mm-hmm. and start looking at all these other religions and how they all have it, it's very similar. Some have more pieces of the puzzle than others, but then you have the Quran who has the complete piece of the puzzle. And then you have someone like myself who wasn't a Muslim to begin with his entire life, started doing self-improvement, started getting deeper into this uh, spiritual journey. And I'm over here experiencing things where I have people telling me like, oh, this is what's said in the Quran. Like you're doing exactly what's said in the Quran. And I'm just over here mind blown that I'm, I'm experiencing these things. I'm realizing these things that's already been realized. That's already in this book. And then there's other religions that might have a little piece there, a little piece there. But then you have this one book that has everything. It hasn't been altered in over 1400 years. Like I mean, that, to me, that was enough. That gave me, like you said, brother said, certainty. And now what, what I'm if, saying, what, what I'm saying, let me finish that... what I'm saying, bro. Let me, let me finish what I'm saying. So <clears throat> I see the Quran as being certain where it's like, you know what? If you don't follow what's in this book, well, you're going against the word of God, the word of Allah. So it's like, you know what's going to happen. If you're going against that, there's a straight path. You're choosing to go in a different path. So obviously, you know the outcome. I feel like everyone knows the outcome deep down, even if they're not Muslim. I mean, they have this video. Side note, they have this video with this um, YouTuber. He's an atheist. And he was saying that he's still afraid of hell. Because he knows deep down, he's not on the straight path. There's something going on here. There's, There's something wrong. There's a disconnect. But to get back to the thing, if someone is not following the book, they are heading in a different direction. So it's like, that is the word of Allah. But then you have the hadith, which are narrations. And again, like some may be hyper-authentic. Some may be 100% exactly what happened. But at the end, Allah knows best, not us. And I'm not going to rule out that it's always subject to error. Like, no matter how respectable, no matter how good of a memory this person had, like, no matter how much of a time frame there was, whether it was a few years, 100 years, 200 years, 300 years, like, Allah knows best. So it's like, I'm not, I'm not rejecting the hadith because that would be ignorant. And I, I do see a lot of people who reject the hadith. And I don't personally... From my own research, I, I don't see that that is a way of going, but I'm seeing that, like, you have the hadith, and to me, I see it as, like, okay, you can choose to follow this, and it may be 100% the truth. You could choose 
not to follow this and keep following the Quran. And, you know, at the end, Allah knows best and Allah will judge you at the end. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I'm not rejecting it, but I'm not, I'm not like 100% dead set like you guys are. Yeah. I don't think you need to be 100%. I don't think you need to be 100%. Um, and uh, as, as I was saying, the Prophet, peace be upon him, ordered specific things um, and, and sent representatives. And often it would be like a single representative. Um, so one example, a very famous example, is uh, you guys familiar with uh, the, the change of the Qibla? <clears throat> so so yeah. basically the, the Muslims prayed initially mm-hmm. um, or when they were in Medina, they, they prayed towards uh, Jerusalem. And uh, at one point, they actually shifted to towards Mecca um, as a direction of prayer. And the Prophet, peace be upon him, sent someone to tell the companions to shift their direction. And this actually happened during their prayer. So they were in prayer, and someone runs in to the mosque and says, Hey, everyone, the prophet said we're supposed to change our direction towards Mecca. And during prayer, they just turn around. (laughs) Now, they didn't say, hey, we need like we need like 20 people to say this. One person was enough because the likelihood of one person getting that wrong at that specific time, it's quite low. Right. And it's all about religion is all about being reasonable and and, uh, much of the Sharia is about, um, again, once again, in regards to testimony, um, if, if there, there's always a possibility, there's always a possibility of, of uh, uh, error. Uh, four people can make a mistake in, in uh, uh, them witnessing an act of adultery. However, it's so unlikely that the, the ruling is there. The ruling is included there because it's so unlikely that the mistake would occur. Now, when you say that, in my mind, I'm seeing it as, a, okay, at that point, the Prophet was alive, peace be upon him. So the guy comes in, he says, yo, Prophet just said, we got to pray in this direction. It's like, okay, no harm, no foul. I'm going to switch. Right. I'm going to pray in that direction. Right. The Prophet is still alive. Like, I right. can go oh. to the Prophet and I can see, like, was this clearly something you said? Okay. Um, obviously, okay. but now... Now it can't be done. So it's like it it leaves the choice in the person's hand where it's like, look, okay. choose to follow that now and then find out later. Or you can choose not to follow it and then find out later. Like at the end of the day, Allah knows best and Allah will be the judge at the end. So, you see so what I'm saying? I, I do understand. And, and I and my response is we can actually find out through other eyewitnesses. That's the thing. We hear of a report, um, let's say, whatever, it could be anything. Let, let's, let's just stick with that, about, about praying in, in another direction, praying towards Mecca. Um, now, that specific report, um, I mean, what are the odds of someone else reporting the exact same thing? And how, how, what are the odds of both of these people making a mistake? Yes, he's not with us anymore. But when we have multiple people narrating the same thing, wouldn't that suggest that it happened mm, i would suggest yeah and and 
again, that go, it goes back to the question of how many people do you need in order to feel that a matter is certain? How many people do you feel that uh, rejecting this number makes it unreasonable? These are all questions that come to mind. But generally, generally, um, according to the scholars of Hadith, as long as you had one set of reliable narrators throughout, um, that should be sufficient. Um, of course, depending on the strength of the narrators themselves. That's just that's how, just how it was generally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But again, um, I love what you're saying. I love it. And I'm, I'm just saying, like, it would suggest, but at the end of the day, like, let's say I have nine people telling me one thing about yeah. something that happened. Yeah. And um, I'm not going to be 100% certain unless I saw it myself or unless, like, yeah. I could go to the thing. Now, that's obviously not feasible. It's not going to happen. The, that's so, the, thing. You, the thing is, you don't need to be certain. But you ask, like, what gives you certainty? What sure, amount of sure, people sure, will give sure. you certainty? Sure, 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 sure. So uh, to, answer, to answer the question is, like, I have this amount of people. It's just, it's going to give me uh, whatever percentage. Right. right. Percentage might be different for you, for Faye, for Rami, for me. But it'll give right. you some form of percentage in your mind where you're like, hmm, okay, right. I guess we can see that. But ultimately, I have to make the decision on what I'm going to believe and what I'm going to carry out there. Like, am I going right. to believe those nine people? Am I going to carry right. out based on what was said? Or am I going to not believe? It? Am I going to pass it up? Right. You see what I'm saying? I, I do understand what you're saying. Um, at the same time, I'm trying to get across the idea that you don't have to be certain uh, in regards to uh, following everything um, in, in the religion. Being relatively certain is sufficient. Hmm. And, that's, and that's how you see it. Um, uh, that's how uh, much of scholarship sees it, if not all of scholarship sees it, except for uh, third century uh, Um Generally, uh, that's just how it was always done. Hmm. Um. And, and again, once again, it goes back to the, ex the example that I mentioned, the example uh, of the Prophet, peace be upon him, sending representatives to faraway lands, for example. Um, when, when God sent prophets, uh, usually he would send, you know, one at a time to a specific uh, place, um, you know, during the time of, um, so, so for example, if I'm not mistaken, David was a prophet, uh, on, on his own, and then it was Solomon and his I'm, I'm not sure if they were prophets at the same time. For, from from what I uh, from my understanding, I could I could be wrong. I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna comment on that further. I, I don't want to be mistaken. But there are there are reports of prophets being sent by themselves. So so okay, one example, a famous example is Jonah. Jonah was sent by himself to a group of people. Um, one person should be enough. If it's a prophet, it's, it's enough, um, let alone, let alone. And, and this, this prophet is giving you the full message uh, from God. Um, we should be more lenient when it comes to a specific ruling that was mentioned by 
that profit. Um, and, and that's how it was, it was not just seen by scholarship again, that's what the prophet peace be upon him, uh, that's how he saw it. And, and like, for example, uh, when he sent Mu'ad to Yemen, he sent Mu'ad. Um, it wasn't, you know, I'm going to send 10 people with the same message just to just for everyone to be certain that this is how I'm saying it. But one person being his representative was enough. A lot of those people from Yemen never met the Prophet, peace be upon them. They, they never had the chance to. Um, this was like a year or so before he passed away or two years or so before he passed away. Um, uh, when, when it came to when it came to al-hajj when it came to when it came to al-hajj in, in the ninth year and the prophet peace be upon him sent a message to mecca he sent uh, um ali to 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 uh notify the people of his message um he sent abu Bakr as well if i'm not mistaken but that means two people two people were enough for for his message to get to the people of Mecca and for that information to be uh, seen as reliable by him. So generally, um, if, if it's good enough for the Prophet, peace be upon him, then it should be good enough for us. You good, bro? Yeah, yeah I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Trust me, I'm good. I think I just the last thing I'll, I'll say here because I feel like this lightning round turned into like no, nah, it's all good, bro. 40, it's all 50 good. Minutes. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, but nothing but love. Nothing but love. No, nah, no, nah, of um, course, of course, of course. I think the last thing that I would say mm-hmm. is that actually I'm not even gonna say because my mind went blank. So I'll take that. I'll, I'll take that as a sign. Let's let's continue on for real. <laughs> um, I wanted to uh, I wanted to ask you something on hell. It's on the same topic. So if we want to move on, I'll leave it. No, but let's keep uh, going. They might bring okay. it back. Yeah, fair, fair enough. But it's it's t- it's taking it from a different angle. You said you take the Quran, right? You accept the Quran, hundred percent. Hundred percent. Okay, so you believe Allah preserved the Quran and and the Deen, religion, right? Islam, right? So when Allah says in the Quran that they will not be true believers until they make you, the Prophet, an example for them or a judge between them and their matters, right? And when Allah says, obey Allah and the messenger, when Allah says, take the Prophet as, or take the messenger as an example, how do you as a man in the 21st century interpret that? Wouldn't you need something similar to a hadith? You know, say that verse one more time. Yeah, say that. Say that one more time. I'm... Yeah, so Allah says in the Quran to take the Prophet as, as an example, right? Mm-hmm. And then another verse, Allah says that they will not be true believers until they take you, the Prophet, or make make the Prophet a judge between them. Um, and Allah says in several verses, and obey Allah and the Messenger, right? So three mm-hmm. different verses. Mm-hmm. How would you interpret those as a man in the 21st century? It's along the same lines of how do you pray? How do you fast? How do you know these okay. things are correct? Okay. So for me personally, when I read that, the Quran is the example. It, the fact that this whole thing was said, it, it was transmitted by this individual. Like That's the example for me. 
But I mean, again, I'm not rejecting the narrations. I think the narrations provide amazing insight where it can really, really benefit a Muslim in their deen and their way of life. But again, that's that's just me. Okay, inshallah, that, that can be the final note on it. Then I was just curious about that. that yeah. thinking. So Jazzy, and you you did thank you, brother. And you did allow me to remember what I was <laughs> gonna say. So uh brother, you said that no one makes a decision or you can make a decision without being certain, right? Yes. Like you yes. don't need to have certainty. Yes. Where it's like for that, I would say that most people do make decisions on certainty. You know, they may not be 100% right, but within that moment in time, they make a decision because of the certainty. Or at least I speak for myself. Um, I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I think most people that uh, took the vaccine, me included, I, I just got mine yesterday, um, did it without certainty. I've, I've heard of people speaking about uh, really bad side effects. But I saw a lot of people taking it. I saw that uh, not many of them were getting sick and not many um, like facial paralysis uh, cases happening around me. Um, mm-hmm. For some reason, my, uh, I, I, I've ended up with doctors as friends, which is something I, I never expected to happen. But subhanAllah, you know, that's not really my crowd, you know, oh, but you know, yeah. I grew up and, uh, and all of a sudden I have doctors around me as friends. And, and they're like, yeah, go for it. Go for it. You know, you could you could end up dead, but you know the chances of that happening is really low. So dude, I just went with it. I just went. So I, was not, I was never certain. Let me ask you something. Why did you get the vaccine in the first place? Because there's a hot there. There is a chance of there's a, there's a low chance. There's a low chance mm-hmm. of me passing away from COVID. I'm not not certain I'm going to pass from pass away from COVID. I'm not certain oh, wow. that the yeah, I'm not, I'm not certain that the vaccine is going to keep me uh, safe from it. But uh, I felt that there was a reasonable, um, it, it would be unreasonable to not take it. Yeah. And then that's why I took it. So for you, the risk versus the reward, like, yeah, the reward outweighed the risk. Yeah. But uh, even though you, you, you didn't have certainty, yeah. Uh, in in the decision in like oh well, I know that I do this and this is gonna prevent me from having COVID you had certainty in your analyzation of the risk and reward you had certainty that okay well I'm gonna do this because it, it would be ignorant for me not to do it you know I probably have more risk not doing it than yeah. have more risk pretty by much. doing it pretty much pretty much yeah yeah Achy, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure this applies to all of us and everything we do Achy. I've heard that you're training uh to go to go pro um and what are are you certain that you're gonna go pro oh yeah you are Uh, okay but isn't there a chance isn't there a chance of getting injured before going yeah big time i've already been injured yeah and and, uh, i'm sure you get injured like every other week right oh to a degree to a degree (laughs) (laughs) every like every week Every, every like week of, of my life of doing some sort of martial arts, I either have like, a, you know, a busted hand, a busted leg. And I just like, I'm like, Halas, I just have to deal with this. I, I, I can't, you know, prevent, I can't have this prevent me from, from training. Yeah. Uh, but mm-hmm. mashallah, I'm, I'm glad that you're not getting, you know, I'm glad that's not happening to you. 
Yeah, it, I mean, it happens. I'm right. just you learn from it. It's like right. It's like okay, that happened. Why did that happen? Okay, let's try to prevent that from happening. You right. know what I mean? Right. right. But I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. 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 So so um any anything we do from going to college we go to college we're not certain that we're going to get that job we go to college we're not certain we're going to get that degree we go you know we we train and we're not sure if we're definitely going to go pro the chances of it are quite high however we will um we will make these decisions based on the likelihood of these things happening Mm -hmm. yeah and i'm just saying like we're certain on the decision at least in that moment. And, you know, maybe some uncertainty may come about here and there. Maybe we don't have certainty that, okay, if I train every single day, then I will be professional. I'm, that's not a certainty. Right. Because like you said, mm-hmm. there's so many factors that can come into play. Right. But I am certain in my decision that I am going to train every day to become pro. Whether I make it or not, mm-hmm. that's... That's Allah. You're, Allah you're is the certain, one that will work. You're not certain that <clears throat> you training every day will make it to pro, but you're certain that to make it pro, you need to train every day. Yes. I, I'm certain in my decision. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to say. Where it's like when I came to Islam, I was certain in my decision from my experience. You know, I, I, I wouldn't be Muslim if I wasn't certain. Oh, definitely. Um, I, think, I think that that's like something completely different. Um, being certain about your religion as a whole is different than being certain in regards to uh, where to place your hands um, after uh, finishing rukur, you know, for example, after bowing down, getting up from bowing. If, if you're not certain whether your hand is supposed to go here or here, I don't think it's like the biggest any issue in the world I, I don't believe that you need to be 100% certain in regards to um, a smaller matter like that but definitely when it comes to something like choosing a religion but yeah Alhamdulillah the lightning round is over guys yeah, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> let me just let me just let me just throw in something right there you know how you said you believe the Quran 100% face yes. value you just take it for what it is yes more or less, don't the things in the Quran, like the rulings, don't they just resonate with your fitrah? What you mean? I'll give you an example. You look at society. I know what you mean, but what do you mean? I mean, if it just resonates with you, don't most of the authentic hadith, hadith just resonate with you? Not all of them, but a lot of them, yes. Not most of the authentic hadith. Yeah, not all of them, but most of them, yes. Yeah, but there are some that you might not see the wisdom or you might not fully, like your fitra doesn't just click right away, if ever. Mm, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Like I know with the Quran, there was um, there was no disconnect. There was no me, like not accepting anything or not understanding anything, like, it, it clearly resonated because I'm here with you guys today, alhamdulillah. And um, again, I'm not rejecting the hadith. And uh, some may think that I have this perspective because there's a hadith that says, don't strike your brother in the face. And then there's rulings that, oh, well, MMA is haram and doing all this is haram. It's like, look, like my 
my answer and everything I said today was like, besides that, it's just the way that I see things, man. And again, like I'm not trying to create animosity. I'm just telling you guys, like, look, this, this is how my mind works. Okay, that being said, you're not a Hadith rejecter. But there are a lot of people that are Hadith rejecters. Yeah, so, Farid, true. from your experience, what are some of the main arguments you hear from people that are clear Hadith rejecters, but they claim to be Muslims, they claim to be full believers in the Quran, knowing that the Quran says believe Rasul? So, so. Yeah. Well, the, the most common one is uh, hadiths were written 200, down, uh, 200 years later, uh, which again is incorrect. Um, but the, the, they base that number on uh, and the time in which Al-Bukhari passed away. He, he passed away in the year 256, something along those lines. Um, and, uh, and the thing is, we can trace every single hadith in Sahih Al-Bukhari to an earlier narrator. It's, it's very, very easy to trace reports to, um, you know, uh, multiple generations before him. Um, however, the focus is on him because his book is the most famous book of Hadith. That's pretty much it. Um, but that's like the most common question that's uh, brought up, to be honest. Um, second would be, Al-Bukhari rejected a lot of Hadith. Well, I don't see that as a problem because that shows that he was someone who was very skeptical as well. Perhaps not as skeptical as Anhel, but he was quite skeptical. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, and and uh, Anhel, what I'd like you to, to appreciate is that there was a school of skepticism um, throughout the first centuries of Islam. Uh, much of the filtering was already done. Um, and, and the thing is, you, you had experts in the field that chucked out a lot of ahadith that, that weren't just problematic, I mean, because they sounded problematic, but due to the same issues that you have. Um, I mean, you know, issues with the reliability of the narrators, the possibility of people forgetting. Um, and, but the thing is, they would find evidence. They would actually find evidence that this narrator made this mistake here and there. And the thing is, um, due to uh, the Isnad system, the system of the chains of narrators, we have the ability not to just determine the general message of hadiths, but we have the ability to determine the order of words in hadiths. We have the ability to, to determine whether a specific word was added onto a hadith. So for example, um, one of the most famous reports is a narration that says the Prophet, peace be upon him, used to go to uh, uh, a cave and he used to uh, the word used was meaning that he used to worship uh, meaning he used to worship means that he used to um, guys give me give me a, a synonym for, for worship help me out praise praise okay okay so he used to worship meaning he used to praise Right. And um, the scholars of Hadith said this word praise isn't supposed to be here. This word praise is a commentary by the narrator. They would catch a single word that was added onto a Hadith and they would say this is not supposed to be in the actual report itself. 
Um, most one of the most famous reports is the hadith of uh, Jibril, in which uh, Jibril comes to the Prophet, peace be upon him, and teaches him about the pillars of Islam. And then he mentions, you know, the, the testimony of faith, the prayer, um, the alms, the fasting of Ramadan, and the performing of the pilgrimage. Uh, and a man goes up to Ibn Umar, the companion of the Prophet, peace be upon him, and he said, uh, did you just say the uh, going to the pilgrimage and the fasting for Ramadan? And Ibn Umar said, no, 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 no. I said fasting Ramadan and performing the pilgrimage. So to some of them, the order of the words, they were that specific, even with the order of the words, they wouldn't allow anyone to change that. So uh, that's the thing, Achim. that's the thing. It was, it, was a, a, it was a meticulous science, it was very specific. Um, there was there there was a lot of effort put into it, and uh, it's a, it's a problem. It's a problem to, um, you know, shrug a chunk of it off because of, uh, of skepticism that we have. Mm-hmm. I think it may. I think it's natural to a degree, but the more you get into it, the more you realize that um, it's unjustified. Let me just tilt mm. my camera slightly. Okay, so this right here Jeez. is. Yeah, so, so this, this by Al-Albani is a, a collection of weak hadith, okay, and, and his gradings upon them and his reasons for, for grading them weak. By the way, I like, made a video about Al-Albani um, today. I just never had the chance to put this back. <laughs> this isn't supposed to be here intentionally, I mean, for this video. Um, and here is a collection of his authentic, um, the, the narrations that are graded as authentic, um, it's uh, 11 volumes, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 11 volumes. And uh, the amount of work that's put into this, um, it's, it's, it's not normal. It's, it's uh, beyond human. Uh, but yeah, you had a lot of people who dedicated their lives to filtering out uh, weakness from the authentic reports, from filtering out specific words, Achi, from filtering out words. Can you imagine that? Um, mm. This cannot be compared to something like the Bible. I, mean, I, I don't want. I'm not here to attack Christianity or anything like that. Um, but you know, the, the, I mean, if, if we're going to talk about uh, a lack of certainty, um, we don't even know who the authors of the Gospels were. You know, so th- there's a lot of work. Ach, there's too much work yeah. was put into this. There's something. There's something that gave me ease, which was that there's no cameras. There's no audio recording. There's no way to find out what the messenger said or did or thought or felt about different matters. But if there had to be a way, which was the best way to guarantee this was actually what's said, it would be the way things happened. Yeah. Just the way things happened, chain of narration, just hadith, strong hadith. Um, and it's like assuming things are the way they are, assuming all of the authentic hadith are in fact true, then it's like, there's no better way to guarantee than the way things are you are. That's my point. Like, there's no extra, it's not like you could say, oh, they could have done this to get, get more of a guarantee. The way things are, are the way they can bring maximum certainty already. Do you get what I mean? Anything different might have brought less. And uh, it's uh, this system, alhamdulillah, I well put, um, this system is something that's unique to Islam, by the way. 
this system doesn't exist elsewhere. Uh, the amount of information, the biographical data, even enemies of Islam admit this. Even enemies of Islam have said things like, you know, um, Muslims are really lucky to have set the system up. And there is no history. There is no history out there that's well as well preserved uh, as Islam, simply due to this system. And this system, by the way, it spread through all Islamic sciences. Um, it's not just specific to a hadith, but even when it came to the commentary of the Quran, even when it came to uh, you know uh, fiqhi matters that are attributed to to uh, early scholars, um, sometimes even when it came to like stories and anecdotes, uh, the isnad system um, was utilized everywhere because of how popular it became. And I wanted to ask you another question too. Um, and before that, me, me and Anhao, more or less, we, we don't listen to music anymore, right? It's not in the Quran explicitly, you know, don't listen to music. It's, it's from the hadith that we, we attain this wisdom. Yeah. Farid, what is your, your outlook on people that want to live life focusing on the Quran and just looking at that? I'm not saying they reject hadith, but I'm also not saying they they read them and make an effort to understand hadith and learn different hadith and, and keep them in their pocket, in their toolkit. They just want to live life saying, okay, this is the Quran. This is what we got. This is all I'm going to live life by. What are the pros and cons of that? Okay, so uh, firstly, um, reading a book of like a major collection of hadith from cover to cover is not something that anyone's expected to do, Right. Um, I will look into a specific, like me, me, I personally, I'm stuck, you know, researching things that have nothing to do with me because of, you know, garbage I find online, uh, you know, arguments against Islam and whatnot. But most people don't need to look into that. And, and to me personally, um, there aren't too many things that I, uh, I need to research deeply when, when it comes to hadith. Um, so for example, um, why would I care about matters that had to do with inheritance? I'm, I'm not interested in learning about inheritance law and, uh, you know, a hadith. Um, yes, it's like, uh, much of it's in the Quran. Um, and, and, and that's sufficient for me. Um, but I'm, I'm, but in regards to the hadith, the reason why I'm, I'm not getting into it is I'm an only kid, so it's something that's not a concern of mine. Um, hadith that have to do with with uh, um, livestock and whatnot, zakat through livestock. It's something that it's not necessarily a concern for most of us because we're most of us don't raise animals, right? You guys raise animals? Just yeah. myself. <laughs> uh, that's pretty good so <laughs> learning about that um you know going through books of hadith in order to determine how much zakat you're supposed to give in regards to animals that you have is not something you're gonna necessarily look into um a lot of hadith give us a boost of spirituality a lot of hadith are certainly needed uh, for our day-to-day -day, uh actions for example prayer you know things that have to do with prayer um, but in general, you don't really need to dig too deeply into hadith. I, I hope that uh, mm -hmm. is, is 
I, I got a question. question. I got a question for you, brother. So, people who reject the uh, the hadith, but they accept the Quran, um, a big argument that they'll bring to the table is that um, in the Quran explicitly states that uh, halal and haram is dictated by Allah. Yeah. All right. So, we agree. We agree. Now you have these narrations from the prophet peace be upon him now the one who brought the word of allah was the prophet peace be upon him but you have these narrations that came after the fact after the fact that he finished the quran okay now we have a lot of things that we can get from the hadith like see how to pray you know we wouldn't we wouldn't be doing the prayers that we do if we didn't have the hadith Am I right or am I wrong? No doubt. No doubt, right? So you have these narrations. You have these hadiths, some authentic, some inauthentic. But then I guess the argument that they'll bring is that, well, now you have scholars basically getting together and uh, almost voting and making a ruling as to, okay, well, this is halal and this is haram based on a hadith. Yeah, and they have a problem with that because in the Quran it clearly says that Allah is the one that says what is haram and what is halal, and yeah. what is haram and what is halal supposedly has already been decreed in the Quran, and then after the fact, now you have these narrations where it's like, Prophet peace be upon him, he may have said this, may have said that. No, they they don't know what it is. They don't. They don't believe it 100%. They're obviously, because they're rejecting the Hadith. So they're, they're bringing that argument to the table. What would you say to that? Same thing with the Quran, Akhi. Same thing with the Quran. You'll find uh, people differing, scholars differing in regards to how, to how do we understand Quranic verses. And then they will use a specific Quranic verse and, and they will extract an understanding. Um, that understanding will be based on their biases, it will be based on their environment. Um, while others, it will be uh, an analysis that's free from that, and they would come to a disagreement. Um, so it's something that would occur with the Quran as well. Hmm. So would you say that the Quran is the clear-cut answer, is, is, is the truth, is the guidebook, the instruction manual? Yeah. But at the end of the day, the interpretation is up to the individual. Uh, yani, there is a, I mean, I mean, there is clarity. Um, however, the the interpretation, the, the false interpretation, will be the fault of the person who makes the mistake, mm -hmm. right? Um, however, the Quran is clear. Uh, there are yes, there are verses that are relatively less clear than others. Um, no doubt about that. Um, and, and uh, like, there's a very famous example of uh, of uh, companions arriving at different understandings based on a specific hadith that the Prophet, peace be upon him, um, uh, said. Uh, basically, they were heading out to. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, you, you, you got it. You got it, bro. You got it. Yeah, was it? Uh, I think the or Asr. Um, when you're on on horseback and you you're going somewhere, no. 
Oh, no, I have something else completely different. Okay, go for it. But, but <laughs> you you go that, for it. You go for it. That's a very good example that me and Anhal talked about, that um, some of the people were saying to, to pray uh, after you get to the destination. Others oh, were yeah, saying to pray that's before. It. That's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. As one? So, so, yeah, that's it. So the prophet said, um, don't pray Aslur um, except at this destination. Mm-hmm. Um, however, like Aslur came, and they're like, okay, we're supposed to pray now, right? Or else we're going to miss it. So let's just pray now. He probably meant, you know, let's get there as soon as possible. While the others took it literally and actually prayed there. So there was this uh, difference of opinion. There was a misunderstanding. And at the end of the day, like none of them were rebuked for uh, their own understanding. However, there was a correct understanding. There was a direct order. So the thing is, same with the Quran, um, pe- people will uh, understand verses in different ways, and there will be a correct answer, and there will be an incorrect answer. However, um, it's not, like, like no one says that this is the, uh, the interpreter's, no one's saying the interpreter is making that ruling, you know? No one is saying that uh, the interpreter is the one who's legislating this. It's the interpreter's understanding at the end of the day. Thought it's been quiet for a long time. Mm-hmm. Me? Yeah. I'm just I'm just listening. Um one thing I would add is that um it's uh it's it's not based on what they think, right? There's a science behind it, right? Uh, very clear example in, in the Quran itself, chapter 3, verse 7, I think I mentioned this yesterday, um, that in the Quran, there are clear verses, and these are the foundation of the book, and other ber- verses are ambiguous. Those who look to spread mischief and doubt rely on the ambiguous verses and their false interpretations. So we already have this principle of taking fundamental verses over ambiguous ones. And one example I can give is um, Allah uses we in the Quran, right? Like plurality. Um, is this a royal plurality, meaning Allah is, is multiple, or is this, or sorry, is this regular plurality, meaning Allah is uh, multiple, or is this royal, meaning Allah is one using the royal plural? Like when a king goes up and says, we decided this, but he's speaking about himself. Um, that's ambiguous. There are different ways of reading that. But when you go to Surah Al-Ikhlas, where Allah says, Qul huwallahu ahad, say he is Allah, the one and only, he says ahad, which means like one and only, meaning that the only way to understand all the other verses where Allah says we is that he's one using the plural, right? This is one method of, of understanding the Quran. And there's, you know, as Brother Freed mentioned, there's a science behind all of this. So it's not just one person reads one thing and he says, okay, well, it says this. I, I think it means that there's a science behind it. Person, personally, I, I don't think that uh, we mean, uh, you know, we could ever mean uh, multiple. I don't, I don't consider it to be an ambiguous term. Um, I feel like it's, it was very clear to everyone who's listening it, listening to it, and, uh, um, and I'm, not, I'm not aware of any interpretation that would suggest otherwise, or or any or, or any scholar who assumed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, me, the only person who's that. ever said the only person who's ever said it means multiple is like CP. Yeah, yeah. Let me be clear then. <laughs> um, <laughs> let, let me be clear. When Allah says, um, like relating into the verse, don't take ambiguous verses. Um, yeah. They they made that ambiguous. They made it ambiguous in the okay. sense that, like okay. in the English language, in the English language, right. they, they made it ambiguous mm-hmm. as English speakers that it says we, 
this is the trinity all of a sudden okay yeah thank you for clearing that up that's that that's what i meant you know what's crazy though is the christians will look at that and they'll be like ah look and the quran is talking about the trinity but nowhere in their bible <laughs> does jesus talk about the trinity right 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 ridiculous uh, yo rami what is the time 4 13 4 man we are closing in on uh on two hours almost so we wrap it up right Thank so you much so I much learned, man. So much I learned. Allah barak fiqh, guys. Yes, thank you. Thank you for being patient with me, brother. No, 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 no. <laughs> not at all, bro. I enjoyed this. I enjoyed this. Yeah, me too. I, I wish I was I wish I was better prepared. Yeah, I had no idea you could put me on the spot like that. Oh, bro. I didn't even... <laughs> don't. I didn't mean to put you on the spot, man. I, like I said, it's I all just... Good. It's all, I, I usually prepare... Like, for, for something like this, I usually prepare. Yeah, yeah. Next time... <laughs> Next time we'll make it. Uh, next we'll time do it I'll off prepare. The next time I'll prepare uh, my own lightning round for you, Yassi. Yes. Mm. Yes. All right. <laughs> and again, bro, like, don't even don't take offense to it. I wasn't trying nah, to put nah, you on nah. the spot. It's just nah, I got I got nah, questions, nah, man. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. That's all good. I'm, I'm here to. So I hope you found some of that beneficial, though. Yes, I did. I did. I appreciate I'm you, glad. brother. I'm glad. I'm glad. Right. And uh, before we end it off, you said you train. <laughs> I did. I did Muay Thai for a bit. I did uh, some kickboxing for a bit. I did boxing for a bit. It was. It was fun. Have you done Brazilian Jiu Jitsu or no? Bro, like everyone weighs so much more than I. I weigh so. It wasn't How much you much weigh? Fun. Um, sixty-six kgs. How much is that in pounds? Let me look it up. No clue, man. One forty-five ish. Oh man, you're good. Whoa, Go do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, bro. Bro, there, there was like a guy who whose leg weighed that much, and then he was like in the same class as me, <laughs> and I was like, I, I, I just can't do this. Oh, Listen, I was doing a a class the other day, and I was rolling after the class with this guy that weighs over a hundred pounds more than me, and um, <laughs> we started on our feet, you know, try to get the takedown. Listen, there was no takedown. This man just threw his body weight on top of me. <laughs> and, like, I'm over there just trying to move, trying to survive. And there was one point that we started rolling. And then he ended up on side control, but with with his whole body, like his whole stomach on top of my stomach. So I'm over here, like, trying to breathe. And then he's like, oh, so what are you going to do now? I was like, well, right now I'm trying to breathe. But, like, man, like, <laughs> you learn real quick how to handle people who weigh more than you. You learn how to handle people who weigh less than you and people who weigh about the same as you. It's a beautiful right. sport, man. Right. Okay, I just have bad luck. Every time I, I, I you know, I think about it, I, I look into the room and everyone's, like, you know, morbidly obese. And I'm like, okay, so I'm, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find something else to do. I'm, I'm going to join the kickboxing class today. And, and I just kept Damn. on doing that until, yeah. So you, you gotta do it once, that. man. You gotta do it once. I, I, I tried. I tried a few classes. I enjoyed. I enjoyed uh, learning some of it, but you know, it's just demotivating. <laughs> it's just you know, like you. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a big learning curve. It's a, I think it's like six to twelve months before you feel like you you kind of have a grasp on it. Then it takes like another year before you're like, oh, okay, now I know the basics. 
Right, right. right. Yeah, it's not like that with uh, striking. With striking, it might be like a few weeks. Of course, mm-hmm. of course, of course. Yeah. Until next time, when we talk about Shia, (laughs) 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 quick little sneak peek. But uh, Farid, we will air the episode um that we did with Sheikh Abdurrahim McCarthy on uh you know Khabib MMA, a little bit of uh, martial arts. It's coming out Friday, but for the people watching this, they've already seen it on Friday because this episode is going up on Monday. Okay. Yeah. But uh, thank you so much, Jazakallah, for uh, being here, taking the time. Thanks for having me. Truth, yeah, refuting these these jahils. Uh, you do amazing work. Keep doing what you do. May Allah bless you and reward you always on. Thank you, man. Before we even end it off, if you think if you think this uh this EP was uh crazy because you thought I was like putting you on the spot, wait till you see the one with uh with uh (laughs) the sheikh. Is is he's a sheikh, right? Sheikh, yeah, not the first one, the second one. The second one, yeah, yeah. When yeah. we start talking about MMA, me and him got like, we didn't get heated, but we started like going back and forth on something. Hey, okay. You guys see that? It's the second episode, but not the one that comes out the day after tomorrow. Okay. okay, bro, it literally, I was there too because Rami wasn't there. Right. And I'm just there sitting, like, bro, these two are just at it. <laughs> <laughs> it was nothing but love, though. It was nothing, it was nothing but, but love. For real. It's like yeah. that's that's putting that's putting someone on the spot. Right, that's, right, right. Yeah. You thought if you thought he was harsh on you, man. Oh, yeah. don't, don't take it personal. Man. Don't take Looking it personal. Forward to no, it. Not at all, bro. Not at all. Not at all. It's, it's all, right, all it's all a journey. It's all it's all a journey of knowledge, Jeffrey. And we and we try to be transparent. Like he's a new reaver, you know. He has all these questions. Somebody yeah, commented uh, the other day that uh, I wonder how you guys are off the camera. And I was like, oh, you don't have to wonder. Just watch our podcast because we're not yeah. fake. How, how we are right. in the podcast is how we really are. When we talk right. amongst the three of us or if we were talking to you without recording, this would be exact. And I'm sure you feel natural. There's no like bit of like, okay, cool. Now that we're done, let's mm-hmm. let's say how we let's talk how we really are. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, maybe we'll be right. a little right. more mindful right. about topics and or words that might get yeah. monetized. Right. That's it. Because right. if, right. if we weren't, if we weren't natural, then we would have reached out to him and be like, hey, we're going to ask you this, this, and that. Go ahead and have that ready. I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> no, that, that, <laughs> that, that's great, man. That's great. Usually, I'm, I'm going to be frank, usually some of the, the streams that I've had, as soon as we shut off that camera, all the fun all the fun starts. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. being frank here. You know, so yeah. I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you guys keeping it real. Yeah, we try. But I understand what you mean, man, because like, it's weird too when you when you're streaming or when you're recording. Like, yeah, you want to be yourself, you want to be natural, but it's like you have all this audience, where it's like a part of you subconsciously is gonna be holding back. And you know, I'm not here to say that all of us are not holding back, but we try our best to just be as real as possible, as natural and candid as we can be. Yeah. But I know what you mean, man. Again, we appreciate you being here. Thanks we for having me. We appreciate you being here. And Rami, go Rami, ahead, bro. End it off. End off this beautiful episode, man. One of the the least structured ones, the Prince but of one of the most fun ones I had for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. Jazakallah khair, may Allah bless you, Musti Habibi. If you made it this far into the episode, what should, what should they comment? Hashtag, hashtag lightning. Hashtag lightning, <laughs> lightning round. All right. If you made it this far on the episode, remember to comment hashtag lightning round. May Allah bless you, brother Farid, and uh, 
the other two brothers on this podcast. Jazakallah May Allah bless you all for watching. We hope this has been uh, immensely beneficial for everyone. Allahumma atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa qina adab al-nar. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.